Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we will be diving into Twin Peaks season one finale. Yes. Episode seven, eight. Episode (laughs) seven slash eight. (laughs) We're joined by a a very special guest, John Bernardi from 25 Years Later. Is it 25 Years Later site or 25 Years Later? I'm never sure. It's 25 Years Later site. Okay. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Hi, glad to be here. Oh, thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank um, you. We've been very um, happy to have your support in this podcast, uh-huh. and um, we're very happy to have you today, especially for the finale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which feels kind of anticlimactic to me because I never realized for the longest time when the end of the first season was. So it's like, this doesn't feel like the finale episode <laughs> to me. So, <laughs> like, wait, there's so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll probably be taking a little bit of a Twin Peaks break for a while. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, do something else for a while. <laughs> so, John, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Well, um, yeah, my name is John Bernardi. I um, I've been a Twenty Five Years Later site doing Twin Peaks and any number of things for the last couple of years, and uh, I've been a Twin Peaks fanatic since I was twelve years old. So yeah, this <laughs> is actually the uh, the last episode that I hadn't seen live for a long time. Like I, I, um, I watched this stuff with my mom. Uh, she was, um, she videotaped it all. And, uh, you know, oh. so I, I was seeing all these through the VCR and everything for, um, <laughs> over that summer. And then I finally came on board for the, uh, season two premiere. Yes. But, yeah. So, because I remember they played it and then they replayed it over the summer. And that's when I watched yep. it because yep. my mom was like, Oh, I watched the first season. You got to watch it when they replay it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on the same page here. <laughs> yeah. We're probably the exact same page. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, um, so that's your Twin Peaks history. What about mm-hmm. um, your, the rest of David Lynch? Um, like, obviously Twin Peaks State Video. So did you discover the VCR, the VHS box set in college like I did? <laughs> uh, of, of Lynch, you mean? Or I mean, just, I have Twin Peaks. Uh, oh, no, no. I, um, I was, um, <laughs> yeah, Twin Peaks has just always been like from the TV. So, but no, as far as David Lynch, I came a lot later to that stuff. Like I, I was, um, I think I was in college before I finally saw Blue Velvet, and um, I definitely didn't see Fire Walk with me until um, uh, 2001 when it came out on video. I mean, on DVD. Mm-hmm. And um, other than that, I mean, I've seen Mulholland Drive and a couple other movies, but that's that's about it. I uh, I come in light on just Lynch. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel fi- kind of similar. Like I, you know, Twin Peaks was my way in, and mm-hmm. but I've always you know, been interested in whatever David Lynch was doing. So I tried to um, watch most, I think, I don't think I've seen all the movies actually. I don't, I haven't seen Inland Empire yet. So I'm waiting yeah. to do it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I got halfway through that. And then like once the, once the first DVD ran out, like I just, for some reason, never got around to the second one. I don't <laughs> well, that's know. That's kind of daunting. Two DVDs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely hefty. And um, do you have any Jane Austen background at all? Have, I really don't. I really no? don't. I'm, Never I'm read getting, it in high school? No. No. I, I um, you know, I'd say I, I was more with the uh, 
with the Brontes as far as uh, what high school made me read. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, so this is all nice and fresh. And I've been I've been learning a lot from you guys. And uh, uh. I'm I, uh, I picked up a, an edition for my Kindle of, of all the Austin stuff, but I haven't had the chance to get there because unlike a lot of people under quarantine, I have uh, still had to go to work every oh, day. Wow. So, yeah. So like my, my schedule hasn't actually changed too much. And I, um, yeah, but, but I am going to be definitely um, taking on some Austin to keep up with you guys. <laughs> wow. That's great. I love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. She's very funny, and I found her very uplifting. In the yeah, past yes, few weeks. yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely agree. <laughs> so, should we do our first impressions of this episode? Sure. Jim, why don't you go first? Okay. Um, I really like this episode. Uh, it almost felt like the whole season was a lot slower than this episode. If that makes sense. Like, I feel like not in like a bad way. Like, it's. It felt like we kind of not rushed through it, but we crammed a lot of stuff into this episode, yeah, a lot of resolutions, mm-hmm. and then a yeah. lot of cliffhangers. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> but it was super packed, and I was just entertained the whole time. Like, even though I had watched it, before, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, "What's going to happen?" Yeah, <laughs> it went by really fast. What about you? Can you, re- John? Can you remember the first time you ever saw this episode, or <laughs> you know, like when you were rewatching it this time? Did you have any new impressions? Um, not, not anything too crazy. Um, I don't, I, the, the whole, fir- the first time I saw first season, it was all just kind of jumbled together and like random scenes and everything. Like I definitely remember Leo behind the door from, <laughs> from Bobby and things mm-hmm. like that. Cause that used to scare me if you can believe yeah. it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, um, like it, it's, um, the, the first season, like when I went back to watch it, like around the same time I was getting ready to watch Firewalk with me for the first time, I did a rewatch and um, like, I was just amazed by how like little supernatural there was at yeah. this point. And um, yeah, like I, I there, really there's Bob definitely a lot. Show up in this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was kind of surprising, but I, I do like the precision of this whole thing. And I think, Oh God, what did I read? Um, like David Lynch's only response to this was something along the lines of, well, well, a lot happened in Twin Peaks tonight. (laughs) uh, Like there was a lot going on. Like, I I think, uh, I think he was probably put off a little bit by the speed, but (laughs) I, I like the idea of this whole thing. And like, I know, I know Frost wanted to just pack this thing with as many, as many um, cliffhangers as he possibly could to like convince the network to get this thing renewed. Yeah. So yeah. he definitely did a good job of it. Yeah, it was funny because I, of course, I can never remember my first impression, but mm-hmm. I do this time when I was watching it. I, at first, the first time I was watching it, you know, I was writing the notes, so I wasn't really paying that great of a visual attention. And I kept sure, looking up yeah. and going, is this a David Lynch directed one? Like the part where they do the close up mm-hmm. of the mouth. I was like, oh, this is oh, David yeah. Lynch. And then we get to the fire in the mill, and I was like, wait a minute, this music is <laughs> David Lynch. Yeah. And then I realized that was Mark Frost, and I was like, oh, okay, this makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, but it's got a lot in this episode. There is a mm-hmm. lot. I was like, hard to pick who to do the deep dive on just because no character <laughs> seemed to have that much going on. I was like, everybody had yeah. a little bit of craziness. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. So I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. So anything else for first impressions or should we go ahead and get in the notes? Let's get the notes. All right. Mm -hmm. Are you really? taking over notes for us this week? All right. Um, so it was an action-packed episode, but for some reason there are hardly any notes on this episode. <laughs> I couldn't find like a lot. It was the weirdest thing, but um, it was written and directed by Mark Frost. It aired uh, May 23rd, 1990, and it was viewed by 12.6% of the U.S. household, which was 22% of the available audience, which made it the most viewed podcast in its time slot. So it's big hullabaloo. Wow. I, I remember um, it was, like, huge at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there, I saw an excerpt from the AV Club written by Keith Phillips, which after watching this episode of the whole series of the whole season, he said that it was a near perfect run of TV. And there was another comment he made that was like so weird to me. Yeah, a stretch of greatness that for one reason or another couldn't be sustained, but it was terrific while it lasted. So it was like so weird to me that they were saying it's near perfect and then they're acting like, but it wasn't that great. So we're not doing another season. <laughs> like we didn't expect one. It was just so weird considering how much. Because my, How popular so most of my favorite stuff comes in the second season. So mm -hmm. yep, <laughs> yeah. back in the first season, I'm like, okay, this is like the baby version of Twin Peaks. Let's get to the real <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's like a large intro. <laughs> but it was yeah. so weird. Yeah. But um, I did find that there was a deleted scene that they did not include of Heba, the uh, Icelandic woman that mm -hmm. Jerry has the little thing oh, with. Oh, yeah. She apparently in the scene, she confronts him, has this moment of confronting him with infidelity when a girl from One Eye Jacks walks by. And I thought it was like, would have been a really interesting scene to include because we don't get much of uh, like a female presence confronting Jerry in a sense of yeah. having the power. Because mm -hmm. him and Catherine's relationship is mostly he Maybe has ben. the control. Did I say Jerry? Yeah. Or ben? <laughs> I'm ben. confused. But Jerry did have the Icelandic girlfriend. Yeah. But they're both very similar in the way they treat women. So yeah. you Either could way, just change them. <laughs> would have been a great mm -hmm. scene to include. I should have gone yeah. and looked on my um, DVDs and seen if that's in there. But I didn't um, yeah. look past this episode. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think that's all I could find. There was like a large section about the color scheme for the show and how it was included a lot of like red hues and which complemented all the black clothing they all wore, which added like a darker tone to the whole show. Um, there was like mm -hmm. a really long section about that. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> There's like hardly okay. anything. Well, yeah, that. we've been talking about that the past few episodes. Talk about like the coral nature and how they wanted it to, you know, not to adjust the color correction for it. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that soapy something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have the Log Lady intro if you want to hear that. Yes, please. All right. She says, a drunken man walks in a way that is quite impossible for a sober man to imitate and vice versa. An evil man has a way, no matter how clever to the trained eye, his way will show itself. Am I being too secretive? No. One can <laughs> never answer questions at the wrong moment. Life, like music, has a rhythm. This particular song will end with three sharp sounds like deathly drum beats. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> 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 
it's she's her intros are always so funny to me because I um I always liken it to that whole thing in Jane Austen's book where like a lot of the upper class will talk in riddles to each other and yes. almost like in Downton Abbey <laughs> with Mary and Matthew and uh it's like they know they're talking in a stupid roundabout way and but it's like they're trying to convince you they're not talking in a stupid roundabout way oh and gosh. it's almost the same thing with her where she's like I'm not talking at a riddle but I'm talking in a riddle you're making me want to write a scene between Henry Tilney and Catherine, um, not Catherine, Margaret Landerman, the yes. lovely. <laughs> I bet he would love to talk to her. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he would. <laughs> you talk about the quality of the wood. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would have a lot to say. Uh, was there anything you wanted to add, Don? Uh, not really. I actually skipped over the log lady intro just because, like, that's uh what do you call it um yeah because they didn't show up until the bravo rebroadcast like right. i i just figured i'd go in cold without it and uh, just react to it when i heard it and it's really interesting to see what lynch decided to say about the stuff that he wasn't really as privy to you know because like he um he didn't really do a whole lot of notes for these things when uh when it was first being created you know at least according to mark frost anyway like he'd he'd, you know, just chime in a little bit here and there. So these Log Lady intros are kind of like his way of interpreting things that, you know, he trusted other people to take care of. Yeah. And, it's like yeah. he's trying to sum up the symbolism into like yeah. just a couple of cryptic sentences. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, th this is this is what he came up with out of what he just experienced. And yeah, it's kind of neat that it's all like... Um, this one it sounds to me a lot like reacting to leland when he said hospital and then hank like that yeah. that would be my guess you know it's like the people that are the people that are trying to you know put on airs but then reveal themselves in the in the edges or something you know, it's, yeah it's it's cool hank is definitely one to talk about this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> i actually thought afterwards i was like should i have done the deep dive on hank but i'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunities for him <laughs> Andy. all right should we move on to the recap sure. yeah Episode eight, we start with a picture of palm trees against a sunset and the sounds of the ocean. <laughs> and we're in Jacoby's office. James and Donna are sneaking in and um, they find a bunch of drink umbrellas that are like, mm -hmm. I guess, hookups that Jacoby has had <laughs> over his time. <laughs> uh, it's a really... Um, a creative way <laughs> to yeah. little black memorabilia <laughs> little umbrella book yeah <laughs> and i love the name mimsy like just <laughs> you, you don't you don't hear names like that anymore and it's, it's no. just nice yeah, it's Jabber like jabberwocky <laughs> yeah but Is that yeah one, one of those thing. words that lewis carroll invented all mimsy were the borgos i have no idea but i know it was a nickname <laughs> for people for a while <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> One thing that I'm curious about that it, it just sunk in after hearing it, like they, like one of them was like what the the launch into space or whatever, whatever day that was. Like, wasn't that? 
Yeah, and um, there's yeah. A, there's a little detail about that in Secret History that Frost did later. So like, I almost wonder. Like, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in and check that out just to see if the dates match because there's something about that that <laughs> I would not be shocked if Frost <laughs> decided to go back and and uh, you know like, do, do like a stealth a stealth shout out to previous movies. I'm constantly <laughs> amazed by the level of continuity detail that they get throughout all of the different iterations of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. It's like really I, I applaud them for really doing the homework. <laughs> yeah. know, a lot of showrunners just are like who cares <laughs> but they like really <laughs> try to get everything as exact as they can. Yeah or or purposely inexact. <laughs> oh, yeah that's true. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I know we're spoiler free, so I won't go into like total depth on that. But yeah, there there's something there. <laughs> yeah, we gotta talk around some stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So there they they find the, the hookup box. Um Donna pushes the button to change it, it to change the music, or she doesn't know what it mm-hmm. does. So she just pushes a button, a random button, and <laughs> good thing it doesn't set off an alarm. Um, but it changes it to Hawaiian music and she pushes it again, it changes it to more Hawaiian music. So they figure out a way to turn it off. And that's when Donna sees the coconut. (laughs) And they open it up to find the other half of the necklace that they buried. So they basically just leave once they find it. And we see Bobby Mm -hmm. skulking out of the shadows behind them. Yeah. (laughs) And then we are back at the park. We see Jacoby sneaking up on Maddie, looking at her through the bushes. And someone in black with a black mask on hits him with a rock multiple times from behind very violently which when he's in the hospital they even mentioned he got bashed over the head with a rock they just say he had a heart attack they never yeah. mentioned the rock attack. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's what i thought um <laughs> so jacoby is struggling to speak as he watches the kids leave with maddie and then he turns over and we get a close-up on his terrified eye <laughs> and i i don't know I can't remember, obviously, I can't remember the specifics, but I can't remember if we find out exactly who that was. I have an idea in my mind who I think it is, but when I look at the person who's doing it, I'm like, that doesn't look like, that doesn't make sense in my mind of who I thought that that was doing that. So as cryptic as I can be, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in, um, oh boy, what do you call it? I, I think in the uh, the first episode of season two, they elaborate on it a little bit more and make the connection. But I don't, I don't even know if they ever like consciously say who it is in, in the series. I thought, you know, it's possible. Jacoby just has an enemy somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Just have an enemy. (laughs) Cause the, the rock hitter does seem to like leave immediately after. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, the eye fades out into a roulette wheel, wheel. Mm-hmm. and Cooper and Ed are g- still gambling. Jacques Renault is dealing blackjack to Cooper. Um, <laughs> Cooper is the only person on earth who can get blackjack with like seven cards on the table. <laughs> <laughs> a ca- a, one of those card girls comes up to him with a proposition and Cooper declines. And then he gives Jacques one of the cutout tokens or the cutout token i suppose the one Mm -hmm. from inside laura (laughs) he asks so cooper's asking him about leo and jacques starts to get uncomfortable and then cooper offers to buy him a drink and we see that he's being watched on surveillance by blackie and that's when audrey Mm -hmm. comes in Mm -hmm. 
dressed in white and pink and she sees Cooper on the monitor, but she like plays it off like she doesn't. And Black Blackie tells her that the owner is coming in tonight and he tests out all the new girls and she's not allowed to ask who he is. And she asks Audrey to pick a card and Audrey picks the Queen of Diamonds, which is appropriate because since I got the Jane Austen tarot <laughs> card deck, it's got all the like mm -hmm. actual suits of cards. And I learned that the diamonds is the coins or uh, pentacles, which is about money and wealth. So it does seem fitting okay. for her. But when I oh, look yeah. at the Twin Peaks tarot cards I have, she is not the Queen of Diamonds, which is like, <laughs> that seems kind of you know, an obvious choice right there, but <laughs> yeah, well, it was more of a Manchurian <laughs> candidate, not anyway. Yeah, it's true. She's not really the queen of diamonds. I don't feel like Audrey thinks she's something that she's not. Yeah. yeah I can't <laughs> remember like. who, I can't remember. There, there were people wearing cards like that in the Manchurian candidate. The, uh, the one with, mm -hmm. um, Oh shoot. I can't remember the lady. I, I think it's Angela Lansbury is the lady. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, Frank Sinatra is the, the, super spy kind of guy and um he gets triggered by the card i i think it's yeah i, I think the queen of diamonds is the card that triggers him into like being the sleeper agent yeah so it's definitely a reference to that movie okay yeah they always are throwing in these references that i do not get even though i've seen the Manchurian candidate i just um I don't remember any cards. <laughs> i remember angela lansbury that's about it probably <laughs> Uh, where was I? Um, okay, so Hawk and Ed are surveilling from the van. I guess Ed went back. Um, as mm -hmm. Cooper buys Jacques a drink and asks him some more questions, Jacques implies that Cooper is a card counter, which is, I, I could see that. <laughs> yep. Cooper asks about Leo again, and he wants to know if Leo had ever mentioned him. And so Cooper is like, laying out the story for him playing on some grievances that he might have with leo like your brother and you are the don't get any cut of the action and then cooper implies that he is the money behind leo's operation and he uses the story of laura being at the cabin the night of her death murder um as like kind of proof slash maybe a bit of a threat that he is who he says he is and it made me wonder who actually is the bank. Is it Ben? Is he the actual real life bank behind Leo? <laughs> I don't think they ever say, but I mean, the connection's there to be had. Although I have a feeling that the the actual bank for Leo is um, is in Laura's safety deposit box. Yeah, probably. I think he's a little more small potatoes than. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he works for Hank, I guess. I mean, maybe Hank. Yeah, I can't I remember. Right? I really <laughs> think there's the um, they were running a scam in um, in the secret diary, like the the whole Jacques Leo Laura combo. They they were definitely running a scam through Flesh World. Yeah, and, we're um, actually gonna read that next. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I recommend it. I mean, it's it's a <laughs> it's it's kind of unbearable in some places, just because I mean, it really is a look right at Laura. And yeah. the story is not a happy one, but um, it's um, it's pretty enlightening to the material. Yeah, it'll be cool because I never actually read that book because I that's like I knew I was too young to read that book. Yes, I was into <laughs> Twin Peaks at the time, so I never yep. actually read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, so Cooper is saying he has a job for Jacques, no middleman. It's worth ten ten grand. Jacques 
says he's down and he'll meet him over the border in two hours. And, but there's one more thing. Cooper wants to ask him about the poker chip that he found. And Jacques tells him the story. And this is, I usually kind of have a soft spot in my heart for Jacques Renault, but this particular story, he's just so <laughs> revolting about the whole Yeah. Thing. <laughs> he says that the bird landed on Laura when she was tied up and it started pecking at her. She started screaming, so Leo shoved the chip in her mouth and said, bite the bullet, baby. And while Jacques is telling this, this is when the camera pushes up really close on his mouth. And that's mm -hmm. when I was like, is this a David Lynch thing? Is this like blue velvet? Is this an entrance into the internal world? Yeah. And then I was like, well, it's Mark Frost. But he might have still been thinking along the same lines. Um, yeah, I, I think he's pretty in tune. Like, you know, for, for being the, uh, the book smart kind of like scholarly, uh, continuity driven, plot driven kind of guy, he really does seem to have a lot of the same sensibilities as Lynch when it comes to like, getting at the mood and the vibe and everything like um yeah but like the the slowing down of the voice the the close-up on mm -hmm. the mouths i mean just stuff like that like he he really gets lynch yeah it's like he yeah. doesn't he doesn't always show it and he doesn't always get lynch but he gets him enough <laughs> to be able to to know when to do stuff like that yeah definitely and that was a perfect time because you know you're really mm -hmm. getting like the visceral oh this is gross yeah. And, um, and I liked seeing Cooper just deadpan face the whole time. He was not like sharing yeah. any of the laughter. You could, it was like closing, closing, closing mm -hmm. up. No, I don't think that's the right word. Closing. Yeah. Yeah. The eyes. close up, the close up <laughs> on his eyes. Like you could just see like the total lack of connection that yeah. he has with shock then. Yeah. Yeah. So he says into his arm cuff, there's a trout on the line, and this one's a keeper. <laughs> so then we got Audrey. She's alone in her room with red satin pillows, and that's it. Okay, and then we see <laughs> Shelly at home, and maybe one of the, I mean, this, this episode is chock full of scary scenes, especially for, mm -hmm. like, you know, young, impressionable people, and this is, like, the first scary scary one but she's at home she's in gray sweats <laughs> she's washing her hair in the sink with like one dollar shampoo and while her hair is fully lathered fully i mean i also want to point out that you can hear the water running and there is no water running <laughs> is there i didn't even catch that i was like what is happening right now but <laughs> just a little continuity error i noticed um <laughs> It's not that big a deal, but she gets suds in her eyes. She reaches for the towel and the towel slowly starts to get pulled away. And then Leo grabs her and said, you made me do this, Shelly. You made me. Oh, and Christian, <sighs> what were I you just, say? I don't, well, it was so weird that um, she would still be there at the house considering that she knows he didn't die. And it might be just be that maybe like a lack of knowledge with like domestic violence stuff but like you would think that she would go to like a friend's house or um mm -hmm. who's her boss again norma <sighs> norma i wasn't say nora it's norma um you think that she would just go because i feel like norma would understand or bobby. <laughs> or bobby. bobby's parents would let her in no problem uh maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I mean his they, mom they would, would but... be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> she'd be yeah like, but 
but Bobby would never like, you know, he, he'd never explain to his parents like the whole situation of like why he would even know Shelly. No, but, oh, that's true. Uh, well, according to the secret history of Twin Peaks, we found out that they, I think it was a secret history. They were dating all through like elementary school. So they probably would have known her. I would think. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> another one of those inconsistency things, like where like it's, it's so sort of backwards from the show. Yeah, yeah, like the backstory in um, in um, the secret diary is completely backward from the one in in uh, Final Dossier. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tricky. <laughs> um, but um, add to my theory that Shelley has the worst. She comes from the worst home life because. Yeah. She, she's never like calling her parents or trying to go home or anything like that no she never even talks about her parents at all i don't think maybe later but Mm-mm. nope no okay so so they're at the meeting point to meet jacques hank and andy are waiting in the suv talking about andy's woman problems and <laughs> Jacques pulls up in an El Camino, which I just have to have a little shout out for the El Camino because my grandmother had an El Camino when I was learning to drive. It was my favorite car ever to drive. And I really regret never Bye. being able to drive one more. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's like the only car I recognize. <laughs> the police close in. They arrest him for Laura's murder. Jacques struggles, elbows one of the uh, police officers in the stomach steals his gun and points it at Hank or no Harry I always do that points it at Harry and then a shot rings out Jacques is hit and we see that it was Andy cool as a cucumber (laughs) and I guess all of that training paid off (laughs) or maybe he was just in a really like zen place because of all the stuff that was going on in his personal life yeah but uh, Andy just had so little verviv life to him at at least the first half of this episode he's just so dead and quiet and i'm like andy what's happened (laughs) (laughs) he's depressed but (laughs) paid off (laughs) because he saved hank's life no harry harry (laughs) (laughs) i even wrote hank again in my notes i don't know why (laughs) i keep doing this Okay, so we're at Donna's house. The Scooby gang is listening to the tape they found. Um, it's Laura again. She, or she's saying, it's Laura again. She says she's bored and she's in a weird mood. She says that James is sweet, but he's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, you can't, because of like how they portray James and like just how like over emotional and angsty he is, you can't. Rudy. <laughs> Like, yeah, you can't, like, you never feel bad for him. Like, you're just always like, oh, kind of, yeah. Like, he's just like, <laughs> I didn't feel bad for him at all in this scene. Donna and also, feels he bad for him. <laughs> well, Donna is obsessed with him. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I liked all the complicated dynamics in that scene because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I, you know, I understand a lot of people don't like the teenage drama or anything, but I was 12. Like, that was like, my zone you know? <laughs> yeah and um yeah it's like just just seeing the complicated things there like you know maddie she's like sort of almost interested in james but you know it's like there's this big drama about his ex like right in front of everybody so like you feel bad but you also feel complicated and his and, ex like, donna's definitely there because <laughs> i mean you know she's 
you can you can kind of see like with with Donna like where she's um you know and and the fact that like she's like really skeptical of Jacoby you know it's like well how did he get the necklace and everything you know it's like she's like she uh Lara Flynn Boyle did a pretty good job here of of showing like the, the whole complicated thing of like you know she likes this guy she's trying to have a relationship with the guy but she also is like basically um cheating or like she she's like making her best friend's boyfriend cheat on her and you know it's like it's this complicated line she's walking in this scene and um you know like she won't admit it to herself but it's still like there just under the surface of how she's dealing with all this and i love that you know it's like you don't necessarily know how she's feeling right up until she like almost cries when she says dad when um when doc hayward enters the scene yeah and yeah it's it's neat <laughs> i feel like i could definitely read the red rimming eyes i feel like donna um, there's something about this scene that made me think were you i know you were best friends with laura but how much did you really care about her in comparison mm-hmm. to how much you care about james now because i don't know i mean there's definitely some stuff in firewalk with me that might explain some of their relationship dynamic. I mean, obviously Laura had a whole secret life, so how well could Don yeah. have ever really known her? But mm-hmm. um, I kind of get the feeling, I guess Laura Flynn Boyle is doing a really job, a really good job of portraying, you know, like this really complicated and emotional, messy relationship that they're all having with each other right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And James is just sitting there like clenching his jaw and brooding as hard as mm-hmm. he can. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he seems a little more loosened up in this scene too, though. Like, like yeah. sometimes, like, like you don't necessarily see James like necessarily acting to the top of his ability sometimes. But um, and and he said this about this episode too. Like when the show creators are involved and they're right there, like he was able to just kind of lock in on it a lot easier. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think this is probably one of the better James scenes, anyway, too. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I have no problem with this scene. I just am like, I, now as an adult, I look at them, I'm like, oh, children. I get yes. you. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm there now too. But like, you know, for, for where they were and like the the situation of like just, you know, Laura being dead all by itself, you know, it's like they, yeah. um, they, like they felt. Like relationship kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, that, that whole messy thing felt like pretty realistically portrayed for being as you know, screwed up and messy yeah. as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Okay. So um, just uh, she's also mentions in this tape that there is a guy, a mystery man who may have tried to kill her, but she got off on it and he can really light her F-I-R-E and he drives a red Corvette. And we know who drives a red Corvette. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So, lumber mill. Leo is bringing in gas cans. He has Shelly tied up and gagged, and there's a small bomb-looking thingy on a timer. Okay. And she has one hour to think about what she's done while he goes out <laughs> to kill Bobby. Because <laughs> that's the most important thing for her to be worried about. Yeah, I'm gonna go kill Bobby. <laughs> you think about what you've done in an hour. You'll mm-hmm. both be dead. Yeah. He says, you broke my heart, Shelly. <laughs> Leo is such a toddler. I know. This episode is chock full of scary men being like, to me, 
at some point going, what are you doing? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that is not yeah. scary. <laughs> I say um, everyone keeps saying that all these characters have redemption arcs and I'm just kind well, of slowly <laughs> waiting for them because they kind of keep getting worse and worse and I will say they all did murder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well this is only the first third of the original Twin Peaks too, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually I was thinking Leo comes across to me the most menacing um, mm-hmm. threat in this whole episode because I really am buying his just anger and fury especially in the scene with bobby yeah yeah but so she broke his heart let's see what's next okay oh the saddest scene and the most soap opera and maybe one of my favorites nadine Mm. and her shiny (sighs) pink dress and her beautifully coiffed hair she's writing a little letter on a silver tray and she has a glass of water and she pours a whole bunch of pills into a bowl and says goodbye. And it's so sad. So sad. I I enjoy that one because like the I mean not I mean obviously not for Nate for you know not I, I'm not, not like for her trying to cheer, kill yeah I'm not cheering for her <laughs> right, but right, like right. the the transition in with like the blanket and everything like just the the way. It, it keeps you kind of off balance. Like, okay, what in the world is this? And then like, you see that it's early and down the blanket and everything. Like, and um, then, then the way for us just kind of like moves the camera all the way around here as it's going, like it never, the, the camera never settles down and it kind of gives you the idea that like, she's not settled down either. Yeah. And it's just a, it, it's an interesting way to like show, show the feeling without telling it. Yeah. man is this a turning point okay (laughs) (laughs) so then we're uh because we're moving at breakneck pace (laughs) we only get about two seconds of nadine and then we're at at hank not harry hank is getting money from josie he's got 90 grand in a suitcase uh, but he feels like it's not quite enough after spending time in jail he says he went in for vehicular manslaughter to avoid going in for murder of which he was actually guilty but he knows he could still be prosecuted for that murder. So he's trying to get more money and he's talking to her by, (laughs) while he's talking to her, he's standing in front of this deer head on the wall. So it looks like he has these Mm -hmm. giant horns (laughs) coming out of his head. Um, He mentions Andrew Packard's death by boating accidents. And I believe he implies that that was Josie's doing of some sort. Mm -hmm. And Josie Mm. stands firm that they had an agreement and this is this part where okay so hank is like once you're in business with someone you're in business for life and he grabs her hand and makes them blood brothers <laughs> which Gross. is the part that made me go this is the yeah. most ridiculous childish thing you've ever done hank i can't believe you're <laughs> making josie your blood brother right now and then he licks his finger psychopath <laughs> And then Josie uses the blood to give herself a new coat of lipstick. Gross. (laughs) That was just like, oh, it's so, there's something about Hank that's like, you're menacing, but because of his charm, I guess it's supposed to be almost even more menacing, but the charm kind of makes me go, I don't really believe the menace so much anymore. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, to me, he doesn't really come off as like a big threat. He's because he just he doesn't seem as like compared to like Leo and Ben and all these like bigger players like mm. he just seems so minuscule compared to them all like he doesn't 
really seem as scary. He didn't seem as violent, even though he, yeah. you know, kills someone, but yeah, or kind of. <laughs> I mean, he clearly is. It's just, um, I it's don't just know. something's missing. <laughs> well, yeah, we, I don't know. The, the the whole like you know he starts off like he they start off by showing his lines being delivered through a mirror. So it kind of like mirrors the whole Josie first scene, like when we see her in a mirror first. And like, you know, it's like you you start from there and then you get like this great dialogue about, you know, the the market value of 18 months versus we had an agreement. You know, it's like it's it's a really neat verbal duel. And I I like how he handled it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could see him being like um, like a John Thorpe because it was a very like just a lot of talking in circles mm-hmm. kind of without really saying what you're saying and it's all like right. sort of yeah. such a menace but yeah he definitely had kind of an austin quality to him mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so Catherine is at the mill in the office fiercely going through it she can't find the account ledger and she wants to know if pete has it and if he's trying to help josie and Catherine appeals to his former love for her. And it seems to work because Pete gets some really big eyes and a awe-shuck <laughs> smile. <laughs> and um, the whole time, there's this like, little running gag where the other workers are trying to mm-hmm. look in the window and Pete's going around closing the blinds. Yeah. It's really funny. And um, Catherine kind of apologizes and asks him to help her and she says she's in trouble and she has no one else to turn to and Pete just melts into her arms and (laughs) Catherine gives him a a little pat on the back she rolls her eyes at him so hard yeah (laughs) yeah Piper Laurie doesn't even like to do those kind of things like she she made a point of saying that like only because it was frost yeah and she ended up being in Storyville his movie uh later on too like she just she loved working with Mark Frost so much that like he, you know, he, she let him have an eye roll from her, which she thought was so vulgar. Cause you know, she's like one of those old school Hollywood divas and like, you that's know, like that's just like, story. that's just too much. You know, you don't, you don't do the eye rolls, but, <laughs> but it, it was neat to see it. It was quite an elegant eye roll. She did not seem like a teenager doing an eye roll at all. No. It's just so funny after she's like, Pete, please, you gotta help me. And then she's mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and the, 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 the polite little patch to the back. <laughs> just like, okay, yeah. you can you can get off me now, Pete, please. I think we can see where their relationship went wrong and his yeah. exuberance of love towards her. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we're back at the police station. Hoff is talking up Andy's heroism. And Lucy is watering the plants and eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. And they go, uh, the, the guys encourage Andy to go talk to Lucy. So he goes over to the coffee station and closes the doors. And then he kisses Lucy. And she says that she's pregnant. And he gets really silent. And then he just walks away. And Lucy comes out and says, fresh coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lucy. I do too. And, yeah, and I I love the silent disbursement of the lawman afterward too. You know, it's like nobody says anything. 
they just kind of look, they understand, and they they just go their own ways. Hawk is like, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, like they know they know not to cross Lucy because it's probably like one time they made her angry and their mm-hmm. lives were hell that day. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, She's no like, good can come of are this. are not for the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then Lucy has like what I think is one of her best moments because Bobby calls pretending to be Leo. And he calls and says, James Hurley is an easy rider. <laughs> and I, okay, so I have a question. Did, have you ever seen Easy Rider? Either of you? No. no. Okay, well, so I was wondering if that was a thing, if they put the stuff in the gas tank in Easy Rider because... I was questioning last week whether that was um, <laughs> something that people actually did and how practical that would be. Yeah, I don't know how practical it is, but I know that <laughs> I'd seen it before in, in you know, crime shows or whatever. Like, so it's, you know, whether it's realistic or not, it's at least a convention on television. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, actually, we didn't quite get to um, Lucy's best moment because it hasn't come up. But Cooper and Harry are questioning Jacques at the hospital because we're jumping back and forth so quick. I can't keep going. Mm-hmm. He says that the night of Laura's murder, Leo hit him with a whiskey bottle. And then he that's how the blood got on his shirt because he used the shirt to sop up the blood. And uh, Leo just laughed at him. And then he went outside and passed out. And when we, he woke up, Leo and the girls were gone and he had to walk 15 miles home. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot. <laughs> Probably didn't get home until like the sun was up the next day. Okay, so Jacoby is also at the hospital. Apparently he said some incredible things upon arrival, mostly about Laura being in the park. And they say he had a heart attack. Um, but they didn't mention the beating at all. Yeah. Mentioned the giant bruises on his back or the head wound. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to I guess they're at the house. I don't know <clears throat> if they're at the house now. But Catherine and Pete are searching the library. Yeah, they're at the Blue Pine Lodge. Okay, so Pete is distracted by his old yearbook <laughs> and Midge Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Midge. Catherine yeah. is tearing the books off the shelf, and he's just like, mm-hmm. Midge. And he leans on this bear, and I was like, is that like a Catherine <laughs> family bear, or did Pete shoot that bear himself? <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a pretty small bear. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that they're going to look for one book, and then find another completely different book, and like, yeah. And and Pete just, you know, he's like, hey, we found a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found a book. I want to like it. Yeah. <laughs> Prime Pete. Um, so while they're searching, the phone rings, and Catherine dismisses Pete with a simple wave of her hand. Just a mm-hmm. <laughs> no unnecessary movement on her part. And uh, <laughs> it's Hank. And he says that what she's looking for is at the mill. And she's like, what do you want? Let's talk terms. And he just hangs up on her, basically. And then she pulls out a little tiny gun and puts it in her pocket and sneaks out the door. Okay, so we're at the double R. And this is where I go, Hank, you've done an awful lot tonight. What are you, how are you in so many places at once? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he's actually working a shift or if he's just helping in like the few minutes between his criming. But 
<laughs> so yep. he's he starts off asking Norma about her bed and yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, like unsettling with his fake charmingness. Oh yeah, his his uh, uh gee whiz golly gee gaslighting crap. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems kind of like Norma doesn't really want to hear about his dreams for the future, but she does, mm-hmm. you know, tell him to go on. Uh, but she seems very uncomfortable when he kisses her. <laughs> yeah. But she lets him do it anyway. There's a lot of, yep. I noticed there's a lot of closed mouth kissing on Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just noticed <laughs> that this episode. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. Was there anything else you guys wanted to say about that little scene? I just love that Norma's like basically incredibly skeptical the whole time. Like, you know, it's like she, she has his number, but then there's like this flinch at the very last second where like you can see yourself second guessing, like, wait a minute, could he've actually been for real? Oh God, I feel bad about that. Like it, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. A little bit of, well, what if Ed and Nadine never break up? I don't want to be alone for my whole life. <laughs> and well, I'm already married to this man for 20 years. <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of like, you know, both of them are a little bit like, I don't know if you're not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So yeah. But anyway, Norma does always seem very skeptical of Hank and, but she, you know, it's like, she's willing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we're at the police station and Oh, this is my favorite Lucy part. <laughs> Lucy is telling Harry about the call from Leo, and she says that in the background she could hear a clock striking. And so they know he was at Easter Park, and it just makes me go, someone get this woman a deputy's license. We need to be training Seriously. her to be a, a cop. <laughs> She's already, just from two phone calls, like that one time in the pilot when she was typing up, they were saying as they were, you know, discussing um, in the hall, Bobby and Mike. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, we haven't seen Mike in a while. But um, and now she's picking up on the clues in the background. I'm like, this should make a great police officer. You guys should make her a police officer or a detective of some sort. She's always picking up on the little clues and, you know, surreptitiously mm-hmm. doing stuff. So anyway, <laughs> side note. So they, they send surveillance to the park and then James comes in and Cooper says that he wants to talk to him. And then Leland comes in. It wants to know if it's true that they arrested someone for Laura's murder and Harry won't release any of the details and Doc Hayward sends him home, but he has like a little look and says, hospital. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) almost like a reverse scene of the Hank one, like where like we absolutely believe him until like the absolute last second when he does that turn almost exactly to the camera. And yeah, then he says hospital. Yeah. It's like, Yeah, it's like we we didn't know that he was just like milking for information until right. <laughs> until the end. Okay, so James gives Cooper the tape that they found and Cooper tells him that Jacoby is in the hospital with a heart attack and that seems to rattle him a little. He's he tells him that he saw Laura Palmer and then he goes, "What kind of dangerous game have you been playing?" And James gulps. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a clear gulp. It's so funny to me. (laughs) So Cooper shows him the drug out of his gas tank and says, I'm going to need a, I'm going to start needing a better set of answers. But we don't hear any more of that because we're off to one eye jacks where Ben is finally signing the paperwork on the sale of Ghostwood. Hank calls and says that Leo is going to be getting a house call. 
and and then we're at Shelly's house. Bobby is kind of sneaking in, looking for Shelly. Unfortunately, he finds not Shelly, but Leo. And Leo tries to chop him up with an axe. <laughs> and he smacks him around a bit. Man, and just, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just remember that scene. Like they used to show like in between, like in front of commercial breaks, you know, like, you know, here's, here's things that you're going to see. And, you know, like they kept showing that scene of like, Bobby walking past the door and then like Leo being right behind it. And that scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. But yeah, I, and crazy. they would just show it over and over. Like, yeah, they'd show it at the, at this commercial break and then they showed it that one. And it's like, ah, <laughs> stop. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm on record for being terrified of Leo at one point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that scene is like straight out of like a Jason movie or something. It's like oh, yeah. straight mm-hmm. up horror movie tropes. Mm-hmm. And actually, I know in Blue Velvet, they had that Smash TV, right? Mm-hmm. Was that in Blue Velvet? Mm-hmm. And then yes. we haven't gotten to it, but there is kind of a Smash TV in Fire Walk With Me. And when mm-hmm. he's picking up that axe to like hit Bobby, I kept thinking, oh, it's going to smash the TV. It's going to be like such a... <laughs> Sorry, my cat. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Such a, um, uh, like a iconic Lynchian moment, but it's almost like, uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, and no, you can't smash the TV because then that would ruin the Montana joke. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh my God, that's the best. So, <laughs> so right as he's about to shoot him, a shot comes through the window, um, takes him out. He ends up on the couch. Bobby peeks up and sees that it was Hank shooting him. And Bobby leaves. And as he leaves, Leo sees on the TV, Invitation to Love is playing. And Chet and, I'm calling him Santa because I don't know his name, but the Santa looking guy, <laughs> they both look worse for wear. And, so does bloody leo on the couch but chet shoots montana and as montana is surprised and dying (laughs) leo is surprised and dying on the couch and (laughs) perfect symmetry and our soap operas now now yeah okay so back to the lumber mill which here's another little continuity moment that i was wondering about it looks like the mill is operating and i was like why is the mill running at this point it's the middle of the (laughs) night should there yeah. be anyone there? <laughs> um, but Shelly's whimpering. Catherine comes in. She stares at Shelly for a minute. And then the timer goes off. And uh, the mill starts to erupt in flame. And Catherine conveniently cuts Shelly loose with the hatchet that was sitting right there. Second very convenient prop because when... Um, oh, did I, did I somehow skip Ed coming in and finding Nadine? I did skip that. Oh, Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that was back then. Ed came home, found Nadine <laughs> in the living room. He called for the ambulance. And when he called for the ambulance, the phone was sitting right there on the floor next to Nadine. Mm-hmm. I was like, very yeah. convenient for you to place the phone right there, Nadine. And then this hatchet came up. I was like, another very conveniently placed um, <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I missed that other scene because that was a good one. Yeah. Ed says like, please don't go. Please stay with me. Aww. Okay. But skipping back to where we are. Uh, Catherine got Shelly loose. They try to escape from this giant wall of flames that is now like that place went up like kindling. It was just like, mm-hmm. I guess he put a lot of gasoline in there, but it also must have been very flammable to begin with. Mm-hmm. I would think they have a very specific fire plan at a place like that because it seems like it would be very easy to set a lumber mill on fire because there's a lot of sparks in lumber mills, I would think. Mm-hmm. A lot of dry yeah. wood. <laughs> um, it's also like the early 90s in the middle of nowhere, Seattle, uh, Washington. True. So it's like, <laughs> I can also have uh, much regulation. 
And also, Catherine and Josie were both perfectly happy considering in an arson case before it happened. So who knows? Maybe they've been prepping. Let's just say that. Pouring gasoline in there for a long time. Yeah, Yeah, taking down safety precautions and yeah. (laughs) Okay, so back at the hospital, we're getting close to the end. We see someone in black hitting the alarm, and we just see like a black silhouette walking down the hall, and they walk into Jacques Renault's cubby and tape his arm to the side and then proceed to smother him with a pillow until we see like the little flat line on the heart monitor and then we see that it was a very distraught Leland who killed him and the alarm is going off and suit and he's got like this pained horrible expression on his face and as soon as the alarm cuts off he's back to like neutral face and he books it out mm-hmm yeah, I guess that silent scream was Ray Wise's idea to do. Oh, really? Yeah, but it worked out really nice with the whole, I mean, you know, it, it was almost like he was the fire alarm, so it was a nice touch. Yes, yes, it was It was kind of perfect. It was like all this, uh, and it's making him crazy, mm-hmm. and it kills him, and then it stops, and he's like, oh, back to rationality for a second, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're back at the mill. Pete is outside looking at the flaming building. He's asking if everyone had gotten out before it started burning and no one has seen Catherine, but her car is there. So Pete puts on his multiple goggles. Just going to point out plastic <laughs> goggles. <laughs> he grabs a giant metal fire extinguisher mm-hmm. and kicks the door open and runs inside. Yeah. With that cute little bow-legged run. <laughs> I just love him. Uh, Jack Nance is perfect (laughs) he was always my favorite character as a kid yeah so okay now we're back at god this is breakneck we're just going scene 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 (laughs) scene, scene, scene. we're back at one night jacks the deal for ghostwood is done ben is very happy he's smoking the world's longest cigar (laughs) (laughs) he is wants to celebrate so he wants to look at the new girl and you told me that the hunchback seamstress in this scene as leslie linkagladder <laughs> yeah yeah they used to put in the the directors like in random roles you know because like mark frost he was uh cyril pons the the news reporter mm-hmm. and um yeah and um and gladder just happened to be around during the production still so like they uh they put her in makeup you know they didn't say anything it wasn't in the script to have this character it was just you know, a neat little <laughs> ad lib so it's not just lynch that does the ad libs yeah it, was, yeah it worked out great and i was so excited when i learned that and i was like oh my favorite director yeah <laughs> and then she just sneaks into this tiny little hidden little <laughs> compartment <door>. so funny. <laughs> yeah like the disney tunnels yeah <laughs> okay so audrey sees her dad walk into the room and she is shocked and we are all shocked uh-oh what the heck mm. is gonna happen mm-hmm. okay so final scene Cooper is walking down the hall of the Great Northern, and it's blessedly quiet. He is talking to Diane on his tape recorder and delighted that the singing has finally stopped on his floor. And then he says that 24-hour room service must be one of the premier achievements of modern civilization. (laughs) (laughs) And he walks in, finds the note from Audrey, picks that up, and then the phone rings, but it's all staticky, so... Then a knock it comes to the door, so he sets on the phone, he answers the door, and as Cooper sets down the phone, we hear the static break up, and we hear Andy saying, 
Leo Johnson's been shot. So Cooper opens the door and a black gloved hand points a gun and shoots Cooper three times in the chest. And we hear a fall as the credits roll. Uh, and we heard about those ending. three shots from the log lady at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I feel like that for this scene, they should have probably not done like a super cut to his chest being shot because I, I would feel like you would want the suspense of being like, Oh, he's been shot. Like he's, he's, in critical condition, whatever, but like you see the shots coming in, you're like, oh, he's clearly wearing a bulletproof vest. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but we didn't see the third shot, so we just <laughs> saw two, and then we heard the third one, and then we saw him fall. So we don't uh, know. That's true. <laughs> we'll and we had a long time to wonder what happened because the only other black gloved person we've seen was the person in the park. Well, I mean, not necessarily the only black glove person, but the only like black silhouetted person that we don't didn't know, know who it was, mm-hmm. was the person in the park. So I'm wondering if they wanted us to make like a connection there in our heads and think, who is this mysterious figure running around the town? <laughs> yeah, it's not just him running around being everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it can't be Leo. He's shot. So much happens in this episode. Man, so many yeah, people died. It's... So many people get shot. Mm-hmm. So many people almost die. It's like craziness. <laughs> <laughs> did you know who the who the person who shot him actually was though when i watched it the first time no no i just mean like who it actually was like with oh filming. you mean like the no yeah it was mark frost oh <laughs> yeah yeah he, he was the shooter um it was <laughs> like i would love to see there's an outtake that he he made sure that they had for the blooper reel like where he's all just like ha 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 uh, afterward when they pan <laughs> up you know? yeah. i'm gonna have to check because um my dvds they only got like this disc was whatever through mm-hmm. episode seven or eight or whatever and so i bet the next one has some special features i should go back and check yeah. i love special features so much <laughs> Okay, well, that's it for the recap. Um, should we do our favorite moments? Uh, is anybody ready with their favorite moment right off the top? Yeah. Um, my favorite moment is when they uh, Ben is going into the room to meet the new girl, Audrey, and that, like, hunchback, like, monk-robed woman is, like... <laughs> I thought it was, like, so... Just so weird and so out of place for, like in a good way for like the whole show because it felt so like comical and just ridiculous and it just made <laughs> me laugh and it just got, like it took me out of the scene like the best way because it was like suspenseful and then you get this like weirdo lady who has like tunnels around the entire place <laughs> weird but i loved it yeah it, yeah that was like very lynchian moment popping in to yeah. an otherwise somewhat mundane season we used to get this odd character you know Mm-hmm. And I like how, like, um, I don't know, it just, like, because Audrey has this, like, I don't know, like, this, like, really weird, like, princess kind of, like, vibe to her. And this, like, you know, hunchback mystery woman, it, like, only adds, like, the Disneyfication of it. Because, yeah, it's, like, this true. fantasy kind of thing. It just makes me laugh. Yeah, it makes her seem like some sort of a princess in a tower. <laughs> yeah. John, do you have a favorite moment from this episode? <laughs> I um 
like nothing exactly stands out just because the scenes are all so quick. But um, if if I had to pick something, it would probably be the um, the uh, the scene with uh, with Pete and Catherine where he's like closing the blinds on all the people and like he goes yeah. all the way around the room to do it, and just having one. that in the background. <laughs> that is a great one. I I don't know if I can pick a favorite. When I was just going through my head, one of them that popped in there was when Shelley is reaching for the towel. And it reminded me that I wanted to make a little special mention to the fact that her hair was totally sudsed up before he kidnapped her and tied her up. So it should be a disaster when she gets out of that. It looked surprisingly good when she was tied up. I was like, nope, it should be like all crunchy and clumped up and just <laughs> but I, I have to give a special shout out to the scene I missed, which was Ed coming in and finding Nadine and just, uh, yeah, you know, that was a sweet scene. Oh, and I do want to point out also the, again, the sound in the burning mill, the like music in that scene. I said, <laughs> why is this not on my Twin Peaks soundtrack? I need this track. It is so <laughs> incongruous with the rest of the music. Yeah, it's like I'm straight up nineties action movie right there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you got to wrap up the action. No, the um, I I think that might be on the season two soundtrack. Oh, I do have that. I'll have to check and see if that's on there. I love the season two soundtrack. It's got all the weird B tracks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I had to get that one like through some weird Amazon affiliate person <laughs> to provide that one. Yeah. Let's do a deep dive. Yes. This week I did Catherine Martell. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, okay. Here's the thing about Catherine. We don't know what happened to her. There's a big mystery after this episode for a while as to what happened to Catherine. So I figured we should just go ahead and do her. There's going to be other opportunities to do some more Piper Lori. So I didn't really get into her personal backstory because a lot of what I was finding was like oh these are all great interviews for stuff that's coming up in the future but (laughs) for the character of Catherine Martell she of course attended Twin Peaks High School although it feels like she should have gone to some (laughs) weird private Twin Peaks prep school school. (laughs) I don't know if there is a private school in Twin Peaks but it feels like she should have gone there she married Pete in 1958 and I'm not sure where this comes from but it says they had a Romeo and Juliet like story because their families were rivals in some way. I don't know if this is something that we learn later on in the series. In 1987, her brother Andrew died in a boating explosion. And in 1989 was when she began her affair with Benjamin Horn and she was with Ben on the night of Flora's murder. Okay. So I found this crazy weird website that it's some weird statistical thing where everybody entered like their personality stuff and who, how they identified certain characters. So it had all these weird statistics of characters and who ranked them as what. So I wrote down a list each. Okay. The, okay. So each participant in this survey was given a random set of traits and they ranked which of these traits matched with the characters and Okay, so these are the traits picked by the most people for Catherine. And we got lavish, lustful, (laughs) complicated, old, 
Uh, eloquent, <laughs> thick-skinned, close-minded, feminine, and bright. Those were the most ones I could find. And then we had the second tier, which was also still really high on the list. And those were bossy, authoritarian, rich, traitorous, hmm. manicured, so not scruffy is what they're trying to say, bitter, not sweet, <laughs> vain, guarded, rebellious, feisty, highbrow, competent, charming, tense, pessimistic, a heathen, <laughs> as in not devout, cryptic, and wise. And I honestly was like, yeah, I could go for all of this. He's <laughs> a very complicated <laughs> person. <laughs> Multifaceted. <laughs> I just thought that was really interesting. And the most, the, there's, uh, were a couple of most similar and least similar characters that were a part of the survey. And the most similar were uh, Ben Horn and Cersei Lannister. <laughs> which, oh, jeez. Like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe if Catherine <laughs> ran a feudal kingdom, I could see her being a Cersei. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you know, we, seeing somebody that she doesn't like the look of and she says, what's your name? You're fired. Burn the whole town with dragons. I don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, her least, one of her least similar characters. There was a bunch I did not recognize, so I didn't bother. But the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz is the least like, <laughs> <laughs> which makes sense too. And then yeah. they also had these. They did like a Myers Briggs and an Enneagram for her, which we've never actually done those on the podcast because that's way too complicated. But she got a. INTJ, which is introvert, intuitive, thinking, judging for her Myers-Briggs test. And she got Enneagram type five, the investigator. I don't really know much about either of those, so, but Me neither. for those of you who do, you might be interested. Uh, Rolling Stone voted her the 13th best character in Twin Peaks. They said, in Catherine Martell, you have the Pacific Northwest's answer to Joan Collins on Dynasty. <laughs> Piper Laurie <laughs> played her as an exercise in high bitchery. <laughs> an exercise in high bitchery. <laughs> as was if Cat. Oh. oh, go ahead. Was that from the same uh, issue as like with, um, with the three ladies on the cover? I didn't see I'm the just actual issue. I just saw the article. Okay. Um, I'm not sure when. Probably, I'm guessing, back in the day. like Yeah, like before season two aired, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, actually, no, no, no. I think it must have been after season two had been. Oh. They, I left out a sentence or two that might have oh, I gotcha. pertained okay. to the second season. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So they said, she's as if Catwoman had settled down to run a lumber empire. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I love that. Um, they, uh, <laughs> Catherine made a convincing foil, and I think I made a typo because I don't know what I was writing. <laughs> convincing foil <laughs> and lover. And lover. Convincing foil and lover. <laughs> to top creep Ben Horn. I <laughs> uh, kept the tangential, tang tangential storylines fun to watch better than anyone else on the show. So that was a nice um, little write up. Okay, and then I found, okay, you know how I love tea? Christian knows. I love tea. I drink a ton of iced tea all the time. I get my tea loose from a place called Adagio Teas. 
Well, Adagio teas, apparently, well, they'll let you make your own blends and like sell them. I mean, you, I don't think you sell them, but you can make them up and they'll sell them. And someone did a Twin Peaks line of teas with, for each of the characters. So I thought I'd say what Catherine's tea blend is. It yeah. said, um, her blend is black tea, ginger, cloves, cardamom, orange, and cinnamon. And one of the only reviews said, the chai really comes through. This one is very spicy, like Catherine Martell. Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> and I found a great article on 25 Years Later site about her, but it also kind of mentioned some stuff that we'll learn about later. So I figured we'll save it for later. Uh, was there anything else about Catherine? I do have still the sorting and stuff, but anything else you guys wanted to talk about, Catherine? Okay, we'll sort it then. <laughs> I found out this week through my research that they actually got an astrologer to do the birthdays for everyone. They like worked backwards. They figured out what sign they thought they were and then worked backwards to do the days for all of these cards that they did. I still don't agree with most of them because they all are in like, you know, they seem very like superficial ones, but it listed uh, her as a Scorpio which I can see. I definitely feel like, yeah, she definitely has a lot of Scorpio traits to me. But my first thought was that she was probably an air sign because that's all in the mental aspects or a fire sign because she has a lot of passion. <laughs> so I honestly thought she could be maybe an Aries or Aquarius slash Gemini, maybe if she was an air sign or even a Leo. So I think maybe some combination of all those. There's definitely probably Scorpio in there. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. But Scorpio I just feel like she's got, her, probably got a lot of air and uh, fire too. Mm -hmm. I like the Aries. Yeah. I, I thought maybe Aries. Any um, speculation, John? Nope. <laughs> no? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for Harry Potter? Slytherin. I would say Slytherin or Ravenclaw. That's my two. Yeah. I thought maybe Gryffindor, honestly. Slytherin or Gryffindor. Hmm. But we haven't really seen a lot of Gryffindor qualities, but the fact that she's willing to like, well, I guess she didn't know it was a burning building when she ran into it. <laughs> but yeah. She does seem to have a lot of bravery, I will say. Like, as soon as something scary happens, she like, she gets her stiff spine and is like, I'm going to go fix whatever's happening. That kind of gives me like a Gryffindor vibe, but. I could see it. Could be Slytherin too. Or Ravenclaw. Yeah, my initial thought was her. actually Ravenclaw. Yeah. But probably more Slytherin than anything else, just with the ambition scale. Yeah. yeah. Very rarely do we find helpful puffs in television. <laughs> <laughs> <shows. laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we'll say, I, I don't know. Could she just be a mix of all of them? <laughs> She's like Ravenclaw, Slytherin, Gryffindor. I could see her teaching the Slytherins, but maybe going to school as a Gryffindor, you know? Is that possible? Can you? Yeah, because isn't it, isn't, wasn't she like not as like nasty and the way she is now in her past life? Like, didn't it kind of like build up over time? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you wouldn't marry Puppy Dog Pete if you were always Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> Yeah, she. I, I think she used to have like an enjoyable, happy-go-lucky streak before X or Y happened. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gryffindor, then. 
Gryffindor, who is now a Slytherin house mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Do we have final thoughts on the episode? Yeah. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we do that, let me um, read this card. I forgot. Oh, that's right. Um, accomplishments. Because my mother was very active in the PTA and League of Women Voters when I was younger, I developed a strong sense of civic duty. <laughs> okay. I served on the Twin Peaks Town Council for 13 years and was president of the United Way for two terms. Someday, I plan to be chief operating officer at Ghostwood Country Club in Estates. Was this something she wrote as a child? Like, <laughs> this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. <laughs> um, I speak fluent Japanese and French. I used to love to go to Halloween parties because I always won best costume prize. Okay. We took first place, but I had a terrible allergic reaction to the rhinestones. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, okay. I, I, I skipped a sentence. One year, my husband Pete and I went as fishermen and mermaid. We took first place, but I had a terrible allergic reaction to the rhinestones. Okay. Weaknesses. I tend to be a bit spiteful when I don't get my own way. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also found a card because they have cars with famous quotes. And it has, everything smells like fish around here, is her famous quote <laughs> from episode two. <laughs> I right. love it. Okay, now for final thoughts. If you guys have any yeah, more um, to say. I just was thinking the whole scene with Audrey and how she's like the new girl and she's going to meet the owner, like, <laughs> I think it speaks to her dedication to this investigation that she's willing to, you know, as a teenager, be employed in a brothel and uh, meet the owner and possibly be an escort for him <laughs> to, like, I find know. out information about Laura, who she didn't really seem to know much. I want to know what her plan was, if it had been someone other than her father walking through the door. I mean, obviously, we'll find out what happens in the next right. season. But, like, I, I don't think she expected her dad to walk through the door. And was her plan to, like, sleep with this guy for information or to try to, like, uh, Audrey manipulation well, we, in some way? Yeah, because we've or seen her before. she's just hoping that Cooper will save her? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, we've seen her before interact with men who are, like, in charge. Like, the, gu the guy who runs the store. Um, and how easily she can just run over them. So maybe yeah. she was just hoping that <laughs> she would have the same luck here. But yeah, I, um, I would assume that like, you know, she's ready to steamroll him. Like she can clobber him over the head with something nearby. You know, I was like, whatever. And escape. But, yeah. But yeah, having, yeah. having a special agent ready to rescue her, I think is also part of the plan. Yeah. She would <laughs> leave that note under his door. But yeah, I just, um, I don't go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to like wrap it up. Like just saying that, um, she's still my favorite character of the show after the first season and I'm excited to get all the cliffhangers answered and finally see season two. I know. I can't believe we're actually done with the first season. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. What are your final thoughts, John? I'm, I, I've been thinking about it like in a nuts and bolts kind of way for so long. Like it, it's, it's interesting just to go back and think about it in a character way, you know, especially since I know how all the outcomes happen. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I just think it's neat how they lined it all up and got us as as interested in as many 
the cliffhangers as they left with <laughs> like yeah. it, it's like how how do you how do you pack more you know it's like was yeah. there anybody that wasn't you know in, in a in a state of peril like not very many it's really yeah. cool yeah. it's a it's a feat all by itself that it wasn't it, it that it didn't end up feeling like too much yeah and it definitely did its job because it created I mean, they, they replayed the whole season over the summer. They picked it up for a second season. It was yep. hugely in the culture at the time. Like, it was on Saturday Night Live. It was everywhere. Yeah. And when it ended, mm-hmm. it kind of all disappeared really quickly from my recollection of it. But yeah. at this point in the series, it was like, yeah. And Mark Frost, you did your job for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's very brave of him to take on directing the season finale when he hadn't directed previously. I don't think, I think that was his Mm -hmm. first directing. So yeah, I think um, this episode was great. It was very fast paced, very shooting back and forth between stuff, but you know, it made it seem really short when you're watching it. You're like, Whoa, this over already. We're already here. Cooper's walking down the hall. Oh my God. (laughs) Where's the time gone? (laughs) But I loved it. And I'm very excited to get to, the secret diary of Laura Palmer and the second mm-hmm. season, but we're going to do a couple things before we get there. So I'll maybe talk about that at the end or maybe not until the next check-in, but overall love the episode, love the whole first season. Mm-hmm. Again, I do feel kind of like they still seem kind of like, Oh, this is baby twin peaks to me because yeah. so much crazier in the second season is, mm-hmm. That turns a lot of people off, but that's what like really made me go, this is the best show ever. I need more. Yep. Yeah, it made me a lifer. <laughs> okay, so recommendations next. Yes. Um, do you have yours? Do you want to go first? Um, I have mine, but I don't care who goes first. You want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. Okay, this is kind of a weird recommendation. It's a little bit of a list. I have wanted to recommend some of these people for a long time, but I've never known, like, can you recommend a person? Can you just recommend a person to follow on Twitter or something? Because they do a lot of great stuff, but, like, you kind of got to follow them for all their fun little quips, and also you never know what they're doing because a couple of them are writers and... So um, I'll just give a little tiny, tiny bit of what they've done, but then I'll give you their Twitter handles so you can follow them because they are some of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. First one is Amber Ruffin. (laughs) She writes for Late Night with Seth Meyers, and she is always my favorite thing. Whenever she's on, I'm like, oh my God, Amber Ruffin, I got to stop everything and watch this YouTube video of her. (laughs) Whenever she's on Drunk History, they're always my favorite episodes. I just think she's hilarious. Um, she was on Tuca and Birdie, and she also writes for Black Lady Sketch Show. I, I've only seen the first half of it so far, so I don't know if she actually shows up on it because she hasn't, but I know that she's listed as a writer. And her Twitter handle is at Amber, uh, no, Amber M. Ruffin. So definitely follow her. She's great. This whole week, she's been mm-hmm. doing stories of her encounters with the police, and they've been really eye-opening. And okay, so my second person is Ashley Nicole Black. Her Twitter handle is Ashley Nicole, but the I in Nicole is a one. And she used to write for Full Frontal with Samantha B. 
And now she writes for Black Lady Sketch Show. She's one of the main actresses on it. And she does my favorite sketch, which is, um, I can't remember what it's called, like boring super agent or um, normal looking <laughs> super agent. So she's like the best in the biz, but nobody ever recognizes her, not even the people she works with. Because she's like Nicole- plain. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I think she's in a movie called Bless This Mess. I think she started out writing for the Simpsons movie or she was a voice on it. Mm, wow. Okay. And then I have a couple of comedians, Nicole Byer. I mean, I'm sure you've probably yes. heard of her. She's unnailed it. Her handle is at Nicole Byer. She also was on Black Lady Sketch Show as the counterpart. She's like the evil counterpart to Ash Nicole Black in um, her sketches. And she has a special on Netflix. She's got one of the specials in Comedians of the World. She also does a ton of podcasts. My favorite is the Best Friends podcast, but she also does Why Won't You Date Me and Newcomers and like a 90-day fiance one. She's prolific Mm -hmm. in the podcasting world. She's hilarious. I love her. And oh my God, there's three more. Sorry, this is taking so long. Um, (laughs) It's okay. I have a lot too. (laughs) Leslie Jones. Of course, you've probably heard of her too. Her Twitter handle is lesdog with three Gs. Um, Saturday Night Live, Ghostbusters. But my what I would recommend you definitely watch is her most recent Netflix comedy special. It's freaking hilarious. <laughs> I'm now like really into comedy specials about middle-aged women. So <laughs> I love it. And then I have two <laughs> reporters who I followed for a really long time who are both great if you want to follow like the news at all. The first one is Yamish Alcindor. Her handle is just at Yamish. She's the PBS White House correspondent. She is amazing. Every time I see her speak, I am just amazed by her composure. And yes, I love just, her. She's just great. I mean, she's really shined over the past few months with this whole yeah. thing, or you know, maybe the last three years or four years. <laughs> but um, yeah, but she is just a great reporter. She's always the best to listen to. And I had to just throw in Joy Reid as well, because if you want to follow politics on Twitter and you are of, you want something a little less neutral, I would say Joy Reid always is like promoting the best, most interesting stories. So she's Joy Ann Reid um, at Twitter. And she also hosts AM Joy on MSNBC. So those are my favorite Twitter follows. So I recommend all of them. <laughs> yes, those are so good. Nicole Byer was part of mine. So that's so funny. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because I just listened to this week's Why Won't You Date Me? And her her guest was drag queen Monet Exchange from RuPaul's Drag Race. And she's like a big New York queen. And she's really, really just like one of the best, one of my favorite drag queens to like see perform live because she's so much fun. So I was actually going to put that but I have a couple as well. The first one is going to be for any like local Jacksonville people. If you're looking for any sort of like source for information of like protests or, or like bail funds or anything, what's going on right now in Jacksonville, I would recommend following the Jacksonville Community Action Committee, uh, JCAC on Facebook. Um, they also have an Instagram. I think it's linked on their Facebook. They're organizing a ton of they organized some protests last Saturday and they organized one for today. They're bailing out all protesters that you know are illegally detained for longer than they're supposed to. And so they're doing a lot of great change. They just come submitted a like a community like reform for like the budget for Jacksonville and it included a lot of like amazing things like decriminalizing marijuana and 
sourcing a lot of funds from the police to the north side to help business owners in north side since their interest rates tend to be higher and they're not as you know getting as many loans as they should be so they're doing amazing work in jacksonville and i would highly recommend if you're from jacksonville to follow them um and then some people on instagram that i've really i've always been inspired by them but they've really been active as of late and i always look to them as like a the source for things. Um, Tamika Mallory. Dog snoring. Sorry. <laughs> do you? <laughs> she's has to be like right on top of me for some reason. <laughs> she can't be away from me. Um, but follow Tamika Mallory. She had a great speech a couple of weeks ago that she gave that was super impassioned and uh, just really great. Um, Monroe Bergdorf, who's a uh, trans activist and model. Uh, she is amazing. I've always loved her. She's always been outspoken. She you may have known her a couple of years ago. She was on the campaign for a new L'Oreal Paris thing. And she ended up getting dropped because she was, her Instagram is dedicated to, you know, pro-black anti-police oh. stuff. And they dropped her. And then recently L'Oreal Paris did their whole, you know, fake PR thing. And she called them out. And so now it's like this big thing, but um, she's a great source. She has a bunch of stuff for worldwide because she's British. Um, and then Erin Phillips is a uh, black trans model as well, who has a lot of useful information, especially for black trans um, assistants. Lots of GoFundMe's, lots of fundraisers. I'm trying to think of who else did I have on my list. And I would say probably India Moore is a great. She, you probably know her most. Um, she's an actress on Pose, um, but she's also an activist and does a lot of stuff on uh instagram that's really helpful and then the last one i'm going to plug for today is a trans person who goes by alok a-l-o-k um they are an activist you know fashion person and just all around like a great resource for anything lgbtq plus if you go to their page they just came out with a book about fighting transphobia in your areas. And uh, if you go to their store, you can also purchase another book to be donated to an LGBTQ youth in an area where anti-trans legislation is being passed. So a lot of great things going on right now with all these people and just been a really great resource if you're looking for tons of great information. Great. Thank you, Christian. John, what is your recommendation for this week? (laughs) Oh, man. I... I didn't even bring in a recommendation. I don't know. (laughs) There's so many weeks that I'm like, I don't know. And I just pick whatever was my favorite thing when I was nine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Any like TV shows or anything too. Yeah, no, this week in particular has just been so draining with like, and just, you know, the activism and everything. And I'm, I'm, it's all, it's all wonderful, but I mean, you pretty much covered <laughs> everything that's been on my mind as far as like, you know, pay attention to the people giving you the news you need. And I mean, that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm less on specifics this week and more on just like, God, I wish we could just, you know, make this change happen this time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, can you tell us at least your favorite non-Twin Peaks related <laughs> movie? <laughs> or TV oh, TV? man. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, anything by Wes Anderson would be wonderful. It's oh. it's good just to get your head out of the game and uh, 
you know, just go into another world that isn't going to, you know, potentially traumatically scar you. you know? Yes. <laughs> it, it's just nice to have the, it's nice to have like the, the, the bright French, like, really like, like 60s French style colors all over the place. And just, you know, it's like, it, it, it gets you to think, but not overly hard. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, Wes Anderson movies would be a nice little island in the sun when <laughs> we need a break. Yes. And I, I will suggest to you then, if you like Wes Anderson movies, maybe try out the new Emma that just came out because it is not yes. by Wes Anderson, but it has a very like Wes Anderson feel because it's very symmetrical and it's got kind of the same like uh, light, you know, lightness to it. It's really cool. Nice. I made Christian watch it the other day. <laughs> good deal. That was so good. It was really good. Okay. And do you want to promote yourself, John? <laughs> Oh man! Well, on <laughs> yeah, on, on Twitter, I'm JPB underscore Little Green. Um, I kind of avoid Facebook. I um, I'm always over at Twenty Five Years Later Site dot com doing this, that, or anything. I yes. um, yeah, I'm I'm currently going through my back catalog for our Patreon. So if you if you subscribe to our Patreon uh, at at the three dollar and up scale, they uh, you can you can get me reading once a week on all my all, all my uh, Twin Peaks thoughts and theories. Uh, currently, I'm still in the middle of season three time period when I didn't know how it ended, so <laughs> it's interesting there. But I'm not the only one either. We've got all kinds of people reading about all sorts of different things, and we're we're you know hopefully we're going to get a grand majority of our writing up there like whether it's movies tv uh music you know it's 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 all going up there so yeah we we recommend you join our patreon yeah i definitely recommend everybody i know i've recommended it before check out 25 years later site and um because they not only have twin peaks stuff but now they've branched out into everything mm -hmm. now they're doing wrestling music yeah. they got all the tv and i i love getting the patreon audio feed no, cat! Ah! <laughs> Whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> and if you want to contact us... Yes, our <laughs> Gmail is mannersofmadness at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at mannersmadness. Our Instagram is at mannersofmadnesspod. And our website is mannersofmadness at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voice message. Yes, and please write us because we're getting, I mean, this is the finale of Twin Peaks. We've only got the finale of Northanger Abbey left. And then we're going to do a check-in in which we're going to, I've already got like three ideas for mashups. And I don't know how many of them I'm actually going to write because the world is crazy and I don't know what I'm doing any minute to the next. But I would love it if any <laughs> of you guys have any ideas for mashups. I really want to read other people's stuff. So yeah, or if you have any questions or if you have any thoughts on the first season of Twin Peaks, you know, when rewatching it or watching it for the first time this time or Northanger Abbey thoughts, uh, we'd love for you to write us, get in contact with us, any of those places we mentioned. And yeah, so next week is the finale of Northanger Abbey. And I think that's it. Is there anything else? <laughs> no, I think that's it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thank yes. you. Good Bye. Night. Ha <laughs> ha.